Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more Hemisync podcasts, such as Episode 8 with Dean Radin, podcasts that aren't necessarily associated with any particular Hemisync product, but simply feature fascinating guests and subjects associated with the frontiers of consciousness research and understanding, please consider joining our exclusive Patreon page and get some great discounts on Hemisync products in the bargain. Thanks for watching. So thanks for joining us for the Hemisync podcast. We're joined today by Byron Metcalf and Mark Selig. Byron is a musician, recording artist, and producer. He has a PhD in transpersonal psychology, a master's in counseling. He has extensive experience with Stanislav Grof's holotropic breathwork. Uh, he has also trained, studied, and worked with several other luminaries, including Jack Kornfield, Hamid Ali, Don America, Yabar, and others. Um, people that know Hemisync might be most familiar with him with the uh, Shaman's Heart program, uh, which he began in 2006, uh, or actually 2005, followed that up with Spirit Gathering in 2006, medicine work in 2013. Mark Selig um, also has a background in uh, therapeutic and academic training. He has a PhD in psychotherapy, um, also has a lot of experience with holotropic breathwork, um, has been deeply influenced by Asian mysticism and spirituality, as well as South American ceremonial rituals and the musical traditions of India. Um, as you can tell by their backgrounds, it is not tough to see why they've collaborated so much. There's a lot of commonality there. Um, folks that, again, are familiar with Hemisync might know of uh, an album called Wachuma's Wave from 2003 that was put to Hemisync and released as Deep Time Dreaming in 2007. So, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah, yeah so having this, this is great to be able to kind of, you know, be in these, I mean, literally in different parts of the country, you know, and, yeah. and connect and uh, uh, share some time together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I uh, know. It's very cool. Um, yeah. But you, so you guys both draw on several different um, modalities which influence your work, and there's a lot of commonality uh, between them. And I thought it might be interesting to start with the holotropic breath work because I because some folks know what it is, some don't. But I don't if either one of you want to kind of jump in with that, and maybe we can get into kind of how that's influenced the music and um, the uh, entire body of your work. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Byron. I mean, okay. Well, um, I got into uh, I've just by happenstance I got turned on to Stanislav Grof's work. I never heard of holotropic breath work, but I was an addictions counselor back in the uh, mid uh, '80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, by happenstance, I got uh, to go to one of their workshops as a kind of a um, um, educate, you know, more education, following up that kind of thing. And and uh, so we got to do the breath work. And and I'll tell you, you know, it just completely uh, blew my mind. And and I knew I had to follow this up. And I got into the training just as soon as I could and was certified in 89 and done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of breath works over the over the years you know facilitating my own and facilitating groups and um it's an extraordinary process and using music powerful music and basically it's a non-drug approach to uh sam Groff's psych psychedelic psychotherapy model uh, mm -hmm. that's that's kind of a well mark you can you know get in and kind of tag that if you want and uh, yeah sure I, I was born in West Berlin, and very early on, we we came in touch with uh, 
all the uh, what we now call shamanic medicines, uh, what used to be called drugs, which is not really an appropriate term actually, in, in West Berlin. And so I, I tried experimenting with these things as a child actually very early on and it opened some doors. And so since then I've been fascinated with what we could call shamanic states of consciousness, expanded modalities of reaching other layers within our potential of you know of our consciousness and so that has been with me all these years and I've explored this in many ways I also have a master's in divinity and theology even though I've never been to church but um, have also been interested in Buddhism and then music came in at a very early age and I realized that music is another wonderful and beautiful method that's been appreciated by all cultures and and all races to induce uh, states of healing uh, expanded states of consciousness and and so forth and so that's how very early on byron and i met and and shared our interests so that is very interesting so we're talking about um, using holotropic breath work and shamanic practice and music to access different layers of consciousness. Um, lots of folks that might be watching or listening to this might have some experience in accessing different layers of consciousness. Um, I think one of the issues people run into is, well, what do I do with this experience once I've kind of entered into it? Um, and I think that's where your backgrounds in transpersonal psychology become very useful. Um, and just kind of borrowing one passage from Mark's uh, website, if I could just uh, briefly kind of quote it here. Um, all human conflicts are driven by the psyche's innate attempts to heal itself. Therefore, these approaches attempt to induce, reinforce, and support processes of transformation in all their facets, instead of pathologizing or marginalizing certain forms that do not fit the cultural agenda. And that's really well put. Um, and Thank just you. kind of, yeah. yeah that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Way to go, Mark. I like yeah. that. Can I use that? Yeah, that <laughs> it's a lot for both of you. Thank you. That's, that's really well put. And just to kind of put this in more concrete terms for folks, what are some examples of these types of um, pathologies that you might be referring to? And like, how do they conflict with the, with the cultural agenda? Right. You want to go for it, Byron? No, go ahead, because if okay. you used your quote, and then I'll, I'll come in with with. Yeah. You. Yes, so given our mutual background in psychotherapy, we're all well familiar with the typical ways of diagnosing certain uh, uh, behaviors or, or problems that people show up with. And they are mostly, uh, you know, driven by a, a what's been called consensus trance in transpersonal psychology meaning to express the fact that we are all streamlined in our uh in the ways we've been raised to see reality and we've we've been taught a certain definition of reality now what we know from the native cultures from many, many spiritual traditions uh buddhism calls it maya illusion for example yeah um we know from these traditions that our perception of reality and our definition is prob probably very marginal or is, is a selective reception of, of what's out there. 
And so a different definition of what we call pathologies in Western societies is actually uh, um, rooted in the wisdom traditions of all peoples of this earth. And they say there is nothing that is sick or unhealthy per se. If I embed whatever a person is going through in a larger frame, in a larger context, I can learn from this crisis that this person is going through, and I can support the person in understanding that this crisis has a meaning. And so unpathologizing view of that would be the view that native traditions have taken. They are saying a person is going through an initiatory crisis that will prompt them to go on a vision quest to understand what their crisis means and then with the right kind of support emerge from the crisis with a very specific and individual task in within their tribe or within humanity gotcha yeah, yeah what mark said um, i i you know i'd like to add to that is that um in our Western uh, model, you know, our, our model of psychology and psychiatry, it's a medical model. It's based on our medical model. And so by definition, it's, it's, it's uh, focusing on, on uh, disease, pathology, and that kind of thing. But what we know from, uh, from research and, of course, the ancient wisdom traditions that these, these conditions or these, diag- you know, these diagnoses uh, if, are, are mostly transient. In fact, 80 to 90 percent of them are transient if, and this is a qualifier, of course, if the person is supported properly instead of medicated mm-hmm. and, and overly diagnosed. Because what, what we know is that the medications, the drugs and stuff like that can start freezing and actually helping to create the condition that they're in the diagnostic criteria. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. And it's really a system that is not working at all and uh, is causing a lot of problems. I mean, you know, look at the depressions and epidemic. Uh, You can speak to that many ways, of course, but not the least of which is the over-prescribing and incorrectly uh, uh, diagnosing these folks who are just going through normal and natural processes, but we don't have the approaches or the methods in order to totally support the person and working it through uh, and uh, getting on the other side of it, which becomes a transformative experience. And there's where the integrated process, uh, processes and tools come in. Um, Garrett, you kind, of, you kind of open the door in that when you say, what do you do after you open up? If you, you know, and it's, it's consciousness is expanded and there's information given, uh, gifts, uh, insights, uh, all kinds of things like that. Well, then, then comes the hard part. And mm-hmm. that's what we call in general terms, just integration and the yeah. integrated process. So it's really the most important part. And it's also the hardest. Uh, it's easy to change and shift consciousness. You just apply the right method, whether it be hemisync, psychedelics, meditation, breath work, any kind of thing like that. That's it's right. pretty easy to do. Uh, but you know, what do you? Where do you go from there? And that's the right. most important component. Period. You know, right. because you know you can just okay, you can do it again, but nothing in your life changes. I like what Ralph Metzer, late great Ralph Metzer, said. He said, "A changed consciousness does not necessarily translate to a changed life." And uh-huh. so we're talking about the pragmatic aspects of this. 
You know, I'm I'm kind of at the point in my my life and have been for a while where, yeah, it's cool to change consciousness, but I'm more interested in how it's going to change my life, how mm. it's going to make my life better, my relationships, my work more productive and more meaningful. Those kinds of questions, you know, and right. uh, and you know, we could true. we could just go on forever with this stuff because we you know, we love it so much. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so that's that's great stuff. So, I mean, as the individual is on the path, as they start to awaken, um, as they start to reconsider who they are and what they take themselves to be, it is natural, actually, to find that reality is not what they thought it was, that yeah. they are not what they thought they were. And with that can come a feeling of or an experience of falling apart, which yep. feel like crisis. Yeah. And, so and it can produce a crisis. You know, in practical crisis. terms, a crisis can emerge because your life gets messier, those kinds yeah. of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so this is all part of a natural process. But the Western model is to brand it as psychosis, to mm -hmm. medicate that. Yeah. And so or, instead, you know, neuroses and that kind of stuff. And, OK, you need to get the symptoms back down. Mm -hmm. Control and constrict. So the whole the whole approach is 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 uh, is constrictive in nature. Yeah, it contracts. It's the opposite of expanding. Yes. And so the internal struggles and, you know, you mentioned something earlier about, uh, you know, reading off of Mark's uh, website there that, you know, all the all the suffering that we go through and the problems we have in our society. Well, you know, it's just an externalization of the internal battles we have going on. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're trying to uh, the, the soul is wanting to expand and open and know itself fully. And we're applying tools and methods and substances that tr that at the same time trying to shut it down. Uh -huh. And so, you know, it's an internal battle. It's just crazy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, again, we could go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let me uh, try to take a slight left turn here. And so yeah. Yeah, and going through your bios. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't point this out, but noticeably absent is any reference to kind of your shamanic background and your initiation into that. And I know a, a, um, a, a lot of this is very, you know, hush, hush, don't tell anyone. Um, and for, you know, various reasons. Um, but for someone that is maybe watching or listening to this and has an interest in pursuing a shamanic path, is there anything you guys can share about how you how you got into it, the who's, the where's, the why's, the how's. Um, of course, we want to protect the innocent, but. Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thanks for being cautious around that, Garrett. I mean, there's, there's luckily, there's still countries where many of these things are legal. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And so, because they're steeped in a very old tradition, very respected. And so there's ways for those people who really want to seek out these experiences to do them, <clears throat> to have these experiences. So it's in a, in a context that is legal, that is safe, that is well facilitated. And uh, if people go on the web, they'll find those traces. And then if they talk to elders, they can differentiate between those that is worth uh, partaking of and those not. My own background has been, as, as mentioned earlier, very early on as a child. My parents were indirectly involved in this. They were sort of supportive. And so I learned this in a, in a you know almost organic fashion it became part of me and still i was a western boy growing up in a western society in germany and the united states but um 
I, at some point when I was about, I think maybe 18, 19 years old, I realized I really fully want to explore this because I realized it's been at the basis of all the spiritual traditions in the world. And then I made it a point to learn each and every what we call medicine, which, which uh, includes the semi-synthetic substances, but also the plants like mushrooms and ayahuasca, and really asked from a native perspective, I learned the native view on it, and I said, okay, I accept the fact that these substances, plants have a spirit. And so I, my intention was to learn from these spirits that these medicines have, to talk to them, to listen to them. And once I really uh, adopted that view, they really started talking. And mm. when I say they, this may sound strange for people, but this is the teaching of the natives, and they have thousands of years of experience. These plants have a spirit, and they are waiting for us to listen because we have left as a humanity, as a species, the natural alignment. We have left our place that was meant for us in the context of this cosmos. But that's why we have this epidemic depression and meaninglessness that Byron spoke to earlier and the collective suicidal tendencies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything you uh, care to add to Byron? Yeah. Uh, well, everything Mark said, and I was just said, mentioned about how I got involved in shamanic work. Well, uh, when I was in the uh, uh, Groff Transpersonal Training, uh, back in the 80s, uh, late 80s, let's say I was certified in 89. So probably around 88, 87 or 88, um, you know, somewhere in there, one of the training modules was on shamanism. And, mm -hmm. and uh, Stan presented that. And, and I was just captivated by it. And being a mm -hmm. drummer, you know, since I'm 15 years old, you know, there's a shamanic drumming, rattling, all this percussion. I said, well, this is really intriguing. So I started following up on it and training with other, other practitioners and teachers. And part of that just naturally led into also exploring plant medicines and mm -hmm. the um, uh, visionary, visionary plants and substances and that kind of thing. And of course, uh, with Stan's background, you know, he was all supportive of that as well. And, you know, there was doors open when you're ready, you know, when you're ready for it. So, um, and those like Mark was talking about the, the mind blowing part of this is when you, when you're actually having a conversation like we are having now with the spirit of a plant mm -hmm. I mean, is as, as absolutely present and, uh, real is maybe more real than anything I've ever experienced in my life, and that's particularly yep. the case with uh, with ayahuasca. So the and I, the ayahuasca experience started informing my music immediately, and and I I, I started understanding uh, frequencies and and different kinds of sounds and what change consciousness, and that's why uh, I think both Mark and I are so adept being able to create music that stands on its own is, is it really shifting consciousness as well as supporting um, uh, different kinds of methods 
whether it be meditation or journey work or whatever it happens to be. And of course, then bringing in the hemi-sync with that just yeah. gives a, a supercharger kind of thing, you know, which is just yeah. great, you know, and the music stands on its own in terms of, you know, I know what kind of rhythms, what's going to create, you know, a, a theta state and the alpha state and that kind of stuff. So we, we know all the science about it, but, mm -hmm. uh, but our journey work has informed us in a way that uh, is so unique and uh, so personal that uh, when we get into the studio, you know, Mark and I just uh, we just we know what the hell we're doing. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> we we know where we want to go, and we of course we have the skill the the regular skill sets to bring that about. Yeah. But what informs the music, what comes is from this work that we've done, and it's it's a fantastic, beautiful thing, you know. Well, it sh it certainly shows up in the music. Uh, can you guys talk a bit about um, this album called Persistent Visions, which is the new one that you're coming out with, and yep. what shaped it, and sort of what the objective behind it is? Yeah. Well, we, so um, we've we've we came to a point when we started thinking about this album where we thought we had we had sort of exhausted our previous fascination with very tribal uh, uh, drumming, deep uh, harmonic voice chants and so forth uh, masculine if you will in a way mm. uh, and the flute happens to be very feminine many qualities in these shamanic ceremonies could be described as feminine without wanting to burden the the term with anything uh, uh, but you know just as a general understanding and so we realized we still feel we want to do something totally different and so that's what happened with Persistent Visions. The idea was actually to create a one flow experience for people who want to engage in deep devotional heart meditation type of settings. Now, this could be either just a simple uh, meditation sitting silently or, or any other method with, uh, with helpers or medicines or whatnot. And so... It, we sat down for this album and, and started doing initial takes. And as usual, we found that when we're working together, like Byron was saying, something starts happening, some magic. Mm -hmm. yeah? And so what's super fascinating for both of us, and this is, again comes from the listening of the plant journeys mainly, is at first you start doing something, but then it's actually almost more like we have to get out of the way and be a servant to something larger that seems to be happening and that wants to come out of this project. And so like the inner healer in a person's process, here also with the music we see a phenomenon happening where um, something wants to seemingly emerge and we want to get a feel, we want to listen in. What is that thing? What is that energy? What is that entity, even if you will? And then serve that, what wants to emerge, so that people can profit from, from that in that same sense. Yeah. So yeah. it's like there's a wisdom, like a teaching that's coming out of this musical piece, similar to how a plant spirit teacher would come out during a cool. uh, cycle, during an experience that was facilitated by a psychoactive sacrament. Yeah, that's yeah. how we like to look yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, we have a we have a map uh, of the project. You know, we have an idea. So we build we build on that basic map, like the tempos and the rhythms and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And so that's all there as like 
okay, this is this is the container. This is holding space for mm. us to experiment more. And so it it quickly becomes, you know, we we have the we have our vision and all that kind of thing of how we want to what's this album going to be about. But it's always something different. And we learn to just trust that the that the project itself has its own organic life force and you know, the skill is to be able to navigate that with intelligent containment, you know, appropriate mm-hmm. ways to, without trying to control it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't write out charts and all that kind of stuff. We have yeah. you know, basic ideas and we'll, we'll just explore it and give so much room for the creative process to, to just reveal itself. And then we'll say, well, okay, that works or that doesn't work, you know, that kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. um, it's so cool to work that way. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's like painting. You don't know what color goes here or this. You know, I mean, it's a good analogy. And yeah, and uh, then st- stuff starts coming together, and we start going, "Wow, wow!" Uh, for example, I mean, this is something that Mark. There's a phenomena in this record that this album that still blows me away. And Mark yeah. and I talked about it a lot. And when we were starting to listen to the the album, it starts off at a certain slow, meditative tempo slightly increases and slightly increases doesn't get real fast and then it goes about you know the apex uh, middle ground and it's it's faster a little more livelier but never kind of driving and this starts tapering off again the same kind of slope mm-hmm. well on that downside even though it's exactly the same tempo we started out with and climbed into it sounds completely and uh, it sounds different, but the experience of it is so radically different. We, Mark and I would just go, what's happening here? Yeah. This is, this is it's the same tempo we're playing. Even yeah. Mark played even some of the same parts because we're kind of on the down part. You know, we're down, coming home here. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, we could hardly stay. I mean, we were profoundly altered in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, I mean, we're just in this zone and it yeah. would happen. Every time I could go back to that same tempo section in the beginning, we listen to it, not the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I can't explain that other than that's the, that's the experience of what this album does. Yeah. And it's really a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And I, yeah, I've tried to kind of figure it out and I can't. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I cannot, I, I haven't found like, okay, this is the reason we, we experience this way it because it doesn't make sense you know i mean in terms of musical structure and the notes being played and the tempos that established and and the volume settings all of that they nothing can explain it it's it's really a mystery it's really sweet too (laughs) yeah when we were when we first right we said what's happening here Mm. we just looked at each other we're sitting (laughs) at the console going this this is amazing. What what is yeah. this? Why why is yeah. this happening? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's like this magic kind of came out, and you guys were just the conduits for it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I took a listen to it the, uh, the other day, and it it is a magical piece. Um, I think the way you were sort of describing it is really fitting. It's like it's an initiatory experience, and it also provides this holding within which you can have an experience and feel supported and. Um, um, contained, held. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, for folks that might not have had direct experience with 
a psychoactive sacrament. How would you compare it to, you know, other types of meditation, perhaps, you know, listening to music that's blended with hemisync, as in the case with persistent visions? Yeah, Anything you want to uh, note there? Yeah, the, you know, our minds are usually very preoccupied with the fact, well, okay, this person has taken a certain substance and therefore they are experiencing this altered state of consciousness. Well, and that's understandable because it's sort of spectacular nowadays yeah. to, you know, that specific field of research and work. However, as we know from all the spiritual traditions, it, it's just one method. Yeah? Yeah. Meditation might take longer, but it can get people to the same pla place. Yeah. Breath work can bring people there. Fasting, music, anything, long extended dancing as the Kalahari Bushmen do. So there's all these methods and they really all are very, very uh, conducive to, to, you know, bringing about these states. And um, so a person that has never had this particular experience, I would just suggest for them to trust whatever deeper experiences they have for example when they take a long walk in the forest and look at the trees and just be silent or when they sit down close their eyes and listen to music and mm -hmm. it you know some of these deeper states that are natural to come about when you do this for a while are not all that much different from a psychedelic experience yeah. with the only exception that with psychedelics you're entering a, a realm where you really have to make sure about dosages about set and setting about having somebody there that you can trust in case something unexpected happens because they certainly have the power to permeate that veil between the conscious and the unconscious much more aggressively in a positive sense, much more effectively than other methods. They are slower. That much can be said. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well put. Yeah. yeah, there can, you know, the, the biggest difference, one of the biggest differences that uh, the way I think about it is that you know, the the uh, the psychedelic substances or visionary plants, those kinds of things, they're just more consistent and more reliable. Uh, they act quickly. They're, you know, and that's that's that. But mm -hmm. uh, as Mark said, you know, we they open their their door openers, you mm -hmm. know, they expand and they open. So uh, I like what I think Ramdas said a long, long time ago. He said something like um, uh, psychedelics are not the way they show the way. So. Mm -hmm. And all of these practices do, you know, it's, 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 we need, we need paths and we need practices, we need tools. Uh, and, you know, we're all opening to whatever we need to, regardless mm. of the method, because uh, right. it's just a method, you know, it's just yeah. a method. I mean, Hemisync's one of the most reliable things I've ever seen. I mean, it's really a pretty amazing thing, you know, put on some headphones yeah. and you got these, you know, very sophisticated research, you know, kind of programs and things. And, it just works, you yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it just works. And uh, yeah. it's pretty amazing. You know, I use it a lot with clients, you know, I have clients that are doing journey stuff and, and we'll do shamanic healing and all that. But uh, there's, it's rare that I don't give them a good hit of something with hemisync in it. So they can, you know, especially the ones who have some difficulty kind of letting the, just the music by itself or the drumming or something, you know, kind of shift them into a different state. Uh, hemisync just really, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's going to, yeah. it's going to really open this, you know, it's got some, it's got some stuff in there, you know, yeah. so. Uh, well, thanks for that. I mean, great. we, yeah. We um, very much enjoy pairing our stuff with your music, so it's a it's a really good partnership. 
Um, and so like, one thing that I'm curious about, um, and I'm not sure if you guys have thoughts about this, but you know, clearly these shamanic applications have a lot of use in modern life. Is there anything you guys think we can do to bring not only um, shamanism and the practices that are associated with it, but also, you know, the the indigenous cultures that kind of gave rise to it and, and indigenous people directly? Is there anything we can do to bring more of that into sort of the broader consciousness community and even the mainstream? Yeah, I mean, that is really dear to my heart. Thank you. Thank you for asking that question, Garrett. I. Uh, you know, the way I see it is, and it may sound a radical when I present it that way, um, the industrial nations of the world over the past centuries have really gone about exploiting uh, native cultures. They have committed serious genocide all over the planet. They have tried to eradicate and pathologize these people's traditions and have established a narrative that power, status, and money and military influence is the way to be happy in the world. And so what we are seeing is, as mentioned earlier, we are seeing an epidemic of collective depression, suicidal tendencies, destruction of the planet, and um, rampant meaninglessness, shootings and everything. Yeah. This has its roots in these modern societies having lost their meaning. And so what? look at what's happening. I mean, people are now suddenly flocking to these native traditions, yeah, mm -hmm. and there, a lot of them, a lot of us are stealing the wisdom of these traditions and not honoring it properly. And so, replying to your question to me would be, we really have to make sure that we honor what, where this is coming from. We did not uh, uh, accumulate that wisdom through research, through our dealings. We have been honored to partake of these traditions and learn from them. And so we better talk to these native wisdom people and the, the shamanesses and shamans that are still alive today and learn from them yeah. how to understand our place in the universe. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I, I'll just add that, <laughs> you know, if you look at what's going on, and this is Stan Droff been talking about this for probably 15, 20 years, but he said, you know, our literal survival depends on us waking up and honoring these traditions because yeah. our waking up to the truth that, that we're not separate from um, any of this. And uh, if we, you know, I mean, we're, we're taking ourselves out. For really fast, it seems, a good job. you know, it's an exponential kind of uh, uh, quality to it that we seem to be in right now with uh, with uh, climate change and everything. The the um, the experiences of it, you know, it's just in our face. So yeah. um, uh, I look at I look at it, and the way I I try to teach about this is really is that this is really about survival. I mean, this is not about something romantic. You don't want to romanticize indigenous peoples or this kind of thing, or you know, want to respect and do this. But you know, if you want if if you want your next generation or two to be around, uh, we got work to do, and and these traditions can show us how because it reconnects us back to the earth yeah. and back to nature. We, if we keep staying disconnected from nature, then we're screwed. You know, yeah. it, we're just screwed because uh, we're taking ourselves out in the bargain. And um, 
yeah. So you know, again, we could go on. You know, I get on that soapbox big time, but um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you know what we're talking about. The people who are doing this kind of work, you know, I mean, we're preaching to the choir in a certain yeah. in a certain way, but um, uh, it still is really uh, it, it's a it's a it's a challenging time. And uh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I guess keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Thank thank you both for that. Um, any uh, upcoming projects that you guys would like to talk about before we conclude here? Well, well March coming down this way to, in November, and uh, um, I've got a project I'm working on that I want Mark to play around with. I've got some ideas, and you know, so who knows where all that stuff goes. But we like to get together, and just listen to rock and roll and country music. Sometimes we let all this stuff go, and. and <laughs> And just crank <laughs> up this stuff, you know. I got this yeah. background in the, in the studio work in Nashville and all this stuff. And and I love that music, you know. I love singer-songwriter yeah. stuff. And, and so that's another big piece of our heart and our and our connection to Mark and I. You know, we just, you know, we let it's just he and I in the studio cracked up. And we're just, we're just <laughs> we'll listen to everything from Hank Williams, Eric Clapton, and, you know, and uh, uh, damn, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty good too. We're gonna to do some recording too. So. <laughs> yeah, I want to definitely build on what we did on persistent visions, and I thought that this idea as a general direction is is not over. There's yeah. more that we can we can do with that. You know, the celebratory, deeply devotional, meditative type of music that supports, uh, uh, you know, prayerful meditation or heart centered. Uh, exercises yeah well gentlemen yeah. thanks for producing this with us thanks for creating it thanks yeah. for having this conversation such an honor gary thank yeah. you yeah. likewise thank you. appreciate it it's been great you know just what since uh oh man uh uh 2005 i think shaman's heart so yeah it's been a long know, time I, i've got a we got some albums now that uh we've had to uh um uh, kind of uh, where do we go do you want to do another 10 years? And said, yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> I, love, I love getting that contract and said, can you sign another 10-year contract on this yeah. this uh, on this this title? And I said, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you love to do it too. Yeah. I mean that that's yeah. an album that has really stood the test of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so folks uh, that are watching, if you thought this was useful, helpful, please share it up, tell a friend, give us a like, leave a comment, we'll try to get back to you. Yeah. Um, until next time. All Thanks, right. Thanks, Thanks, Garrett. Thanks again, Garrett. Bye, Mark. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Byron. See ya. <laughs>